line drive, left field, Benintendi coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did! He got it! Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High drive! He crushed it! It's a grand slam! Swing and a miss, thankfully it's over! The Red Sox have won the world championship! Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast. Tonight covering Red Sox hot stove baseball. Tons of, uh, you know, aspects of uh, today's non-tender deadline to go over. We'll discuss the the deals that were reached with the Red Sox players uh, to avoid arbitration. We'll talk about some of the non-tender uh, non-tendered players across the league and whether or not some of them may or may not be fits with the Boston Red Sox. I know we're going to be talking about Archie Bradley. The internet is talking about Archie Bradley. Everybody wants him. We definitely have a need for him, so we'll be getting into that. Uh, we'll discuss Charlie Morton a little bit. He did sign with Atlanta, but Red Sox aggressively pursued him. So maybe we can kind of use that pursuit of him to kind of gauge on who they might hone in on from here. So lots to go over. Joining me tonight, Andrew Dwan, Job Goddard. How are you guys? Going on. I'm doing great. All right, good to have you, Job. We did have like an introductory episode uh, for the last show, but you're with us now, full force, hot stove. Good to have you. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yes, absolutely. I, I think I think we've got the dream team here on the podcast. I, I really do. You know, I think you know we got the right people in the right alignments and. We're going to, not to, you know, steal the the mantra from the 2018 season, but we're going to do damage in the Red Sox podcast scene in uh, 2021. No doubt about that. So I guess we'll get started with the Red Sox, uh, you know, transactions today. Um, I don't know that anyone got non-tendered. I mean, maybe Robert Stock and some non you know, consequential guys, but uh, here are some of the uh, deals that got reached to avoid arbitration. Austin Bryce uh, agreed to an $870,000 deal. I don't know what year in arbitration he is, but sounds like probably uh, the first year or so, or maybe the year before. So maybe he is pre-arbitration, but uh, Ryan Brazier, one Point two five million, not a lot of uh, you know consequence for a deal like that. Kevin Plowecki, uh, tentatively still the backup catcher for the Boston Red Sox. Christian Vasquez still with the team, not traded as of yet. Not saying he will be, but Plowecki will uh, be paid one point six million dollars. 
And then Eduardo Rodriguez uh, also reached a deal with the Red Sox for $8.3 million. Interesting thing about that is he gets a nice big fat raise not having pitched and through no fault of his own. I mean, he had some some setbacks related to his COVID um, you know, diagnosis, which have since been cleared up, but $8.3 million for Rodriguez. This is his final year of arbitration. We will get to Matt Barnes in a second, but uh, Andrew, any thoughts on Bryce, Brazier, Ploiecki, or Erod? No, just that they kind of really just filled out their roster and only have a few more spots of need, so... Um, all the guys that they gave the contracts to really started to come on at the end, especially the relievers. Plowecki was really good throughout pretty much the whole year. Uh, he was definitely a bright spot in that lineup when he was in there. So I'm happy to see most of these guys back. There's nothing egregious that, you know, I was like, I, I don't want to see him on this roster going forward. So we'll, um, we'll just take it from here and just, you know, we'll go over the names and we're going to be able to pick up some, Solid, solid additions to the squad next season. Certainly looks like it. And we'll actually discuss the payroll situation, which we just kind of found out uh, several minutes ago. Um, But yeah, so, you know, Austin Bryce was a name I kind of liked last year. I feel like he might have scuffled towards the end there, but has that funky, I don't know, submarine sidearm delivery. I love to have at least one guy like that in the bullpen to just kind of disrupt the rhythm of uh, the opposing offense. So I'm kind of hoping he takes yeah, a step forward this money, year. If it doesn't work out, who cares? You know, it's under a million. It's a, it's a write-off at the end of the day, essentially. It's not going to break yeah. any Foster decisions. Non-consequential. And we're hoping, you know, obviously Brazier gives us more of what we saw in 2020 versus what we saw in 2019. But again, you know, 1.25 million, not a lot of consequence there. And, you know, Ploiecki is automatically going to be Chris Sale's catcher as soon as uh, Sale is ready. (laughs) But yeah, Joe doesn't want to see Vasquez. Exactly, exactly. He, Chris Sale might be negotiating Vasquez's trade, actually. Um, Chris Sale's going to cut up his jersey in the locker room pregame if he sees him on the lineup. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> Absolutely. Could you imagine, wasn't it Vasquez's shirt that uh, Evoldi ended oh, yeah, up coming went... out? <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine was. if Chris Sale did I... that? Oh, my God. <laughs> Job. Anyway, uh, what what do you think about some of those moves? Uh, so actually, I think Andrew pretty much hit it on the head. Uh, so I don't want to go over too much. The one thing I do like about the Ploiecki signing, um, it really shores up the catcher position, and it's the one position that there was a lot of kind of mystery over at the trade deadline last season whether anyone was going to trade uh, Christian Vasquez. I don't think that Christian Vasquez now gets traded if you sign Ploiecki because I think Ploiecki can't play every day. Uh, so I think it's it's pretty clear that the plan for now, at least, is to go with Vasquez behind the plate uh, for four out of every five games. More likely than not, I agree with you. I'm not a Vasquez guy. You're probably not aware of that yet. But uh, nobody wants him to be traded more than me. But Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. And 
my biggest gripe on him, as the audience is probably well aware of by now, is nobody really pitches very well to him. He's just a bad game caller. The the one exception in the lineup, Eduardo Rodriguez seems to pitch okay to him, but Chris Sale can't. Rick Porcello very famously couldn't. And, you know, Sandy Leone was the one that really turned him around that Cy Young year. And uh, David Price was kind of on and off with Vasquez, but in the World Series year, they did take Vasquez off of him uh, around the month of July, and and Price finished out the season mostly with Leone catching him. So if you look at the, the ERAs of, of most of the guys on the staff with Vasquez catching, it's it's in the fours or above. So I just would kind of like to get rid of him. And, and his offensive value. I mean, he's a top five offensive catcher. We've discussed that quite a bit in the past, at least based on the last couple years. And I just think his value will probably never be higher in terms of trade value. Uh, I can definitely see that. Andrew, you were saying? Yeah, well, you're definitely right about his value probably never being higher, especially at last trade deadline. But Let's see what happens this season with the Veritek's new role, whatever that random title. What is it? In-game manager specialist? uh, I think it's pitching strategy coordinator. So maybe that will help kind of take some of the responsibilities out of Vasquez's hands and might earn more trust with the the starting five or ten. Whatever they're going (laughs) to (laughs) do. Yeah, it was at least 20 this past year. Um, yeah, so we'll see. I mean, we, we definitely have bigger problems right now than me griping about yeah. Vasquez. One thing I love about Pulwecki before we do move on, I was really impressed with his ability to hit to the opposite field uh, for much of 2020. I wish so many other players could do that. I think the Yankees are really good at that. And, and that that's what makes them, you know, such an elite offense is their ability to extend at bats and just kind of get those slappy singles, you know, when they're not crushing them. And, and I just think if the team could follow Pulecki a little bit, you know, we'd be a lot more dynamic offensively. So we'll see. But well, just a quick thing on that, you know, Pulecki had his best offensive season last season. He hit 341 and limited at bats. So I don't know if you're going to see that again this year. You'll probably oh, see a definitely. step back from that. No. Uh, you won't hit, you know, 340. But if you can hit 280 and give you a better performance out of the pitching staff, that's key. Right, yeah. And if it were a six-month season, I'm sure those numbers would have come down to earth some. But but it just seemed like almost half of his hits were, were to the opposite field. And it was just kind of fun to watch. I mean, he had, he had a few games where he was three for four, four for four, you know, and just – looked really good so um definitely i mean we had sandy leone who was the opposite he was a great game caller an elite game caller but bad offensively and so i guess it's a little nice to have at least a backup catcher who can hit you know somewhat but yeah so anyway so the one suspenseful move which i guess coming into today you know kind of lost its suspense but for, for much of the week, we were wondering if Matt Barnes would be tendered a contract. It's kind of been a roller coaster for him and, and you know, 
2020 was was very much that. But the Red Sox ended up, uh, and, and Matt Barnes ended up uh, reaching a $4.5 million deal. Is this arbitration two for him, or is it arbitration three? I think it's three. I think he's out after this year. Okay. I think it's also three, yeah. Yeah, so this uh, this could very well be his, his final year uh, with Boston. But some of us were thinking maybe the final year was last season. So, um, Andrew, what what were your thoughts uh, on the Red Sox decision to keep him and at that dollar amount? Uh, you know, that dollar amount works for me. That's not too much money. Uh, I'm happy with it. I don't think he's going to be your closer next year. I'm sure we'll get into that later. But I, for having an asset like that and seeing what we got out of Workman and uh, Hembry, the return we got for them uh, in mediocre seasons by them, I, I'm willing to spend that 4.5 risk for one year, uh, gamble on him, you know, bouncing back a little bit more than he was. And if he's doing well, you can move him and you can get a piece. We've seen that in the past. We got uh, Connor Seabold and Nick Vivetta out of two scrubs. So I don't see why we couldn't get at least a 15 to 20 prospect for Matt Barnes if he's pitching up to his capabilities. Job. So I like the move um, for the similar reasons. I think, you know, you're basically buying the ability to have him traded at the deadline if you don't keep him, then my take on it's entirely... I mean, if you keep him, my take's entirely different. And then my take is that the Red Sox are in love with his velocity. Uh, because his control is sometimes there, sometimes not. But he's always throwing about 96 to 98. Um, and that seems to be the prototype now for these closers. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has the gas still. And, and he's been around. I mean, he's... I think he got called up initially in 2014. If you can believe that, which seems like forever ago, but, um, but yeah, so, you know, he still has the VLO, but you know, he is prone to the long ball and, um, I, I don't want to see him really regularly in the eighth or ninth innings. I mean, ideally we're going to have two other guys, you know, getting most of the high leverage spots in those innings, you know, Darwin's in will be one and, you know, maybe another move will happen, you know, barring maybe someone like Brazier or Taylor just being an absolute stud. But I think four and a half million, you know, is a lot for a guy who might see most of his time in the sixth or, or seventh inning. And I don't know that Matt Barnes is going to make us or break us, you know. So he's a familiar face, though, around the clubhouse, and he's a known commodity at this point for them. So it's not like they're bringing in, you know, another reliever for similar, for a similar role at a similar dollar. And you don't know how he's going to respond to the catchers, being around the clubhouse all the time. So I don't, I don't think it's that risky if you're going to trot him out in the seventh. I, I think it's. Just, uh, I think, you know, it, it's Matt Barnes. <laughs> I guess it's the only way I can describe it. It is what it is. The less we hear about him this year, the better. And just hope just hope for the best. And it'll I think, be enough. I think, Andrew, that you're, you hit it right the first time and that they're paying for trade value. 
Um, so I actually, unfortunately, think you're going to see a lot of Matt Barnes in the eighth inning, ninth inning, and high leverage situations come June uh, to try to increase his value and, and potentially move him before July 31st. But I don't know if I can stomach it. Um, so we're going to need to bring somebody in that's going to make me more uh, willing to hand the ball off to the bullpen in the late innings, or it's going to be a long season. I just can't see us peddling him if we're competitive because you can never have enough pitching when you are competitive. Yeah. And, and most teams are looking to add. So if you're trading him, that means we're in the toilet again, which would be the third year in a row that you know we wouldn't be competitive. 2019, I mean, not a terrible year. We were above 500, but you know we were out of the – playoff picture you know on the outside looking in I should say so I just I, I guess it, it, it's not it's not the end of the world but the one confusing thing to me here is Matt Barnes is getting four and a half million but Martin Perez wasn't worth six million and he's the one guy like I'm not worried about you know in terms of health Martin Perez I mean you got all these question marks, you know, with Evaldi, Erod, Sale should be back, barring setbacks, but all guys who have health issues. And then I, you're hoping that Hauk, you know, will will stay up with the big club. And, and Andrew, I know you're pretty apprehensive that that, that is, uh, you know, likely. But I, I don't know. I just... It's just kind of weird how Barnes gets valued, but Perez was not. So here, here's what I have to say. I'm going to give him a pass on the Perez um, contract option there. I think that they, and like most of us were thinking just a month ago, that this market was going to be super depressed and that guys weren't going to make anything. And we were in for a giant correction. And I think they saw that six and we're like, all right, well, that's fine. We'll get him back at four and a quarter or maybe even three and a half. But that has proved the opposite. In fact, the less guys got non, uh, non-tendered this year than last year. And we've seen it's been a pretty healthy starting pitchers market. So I think it was a gamble. I think that they're like, ah, well, damn it. It's not going to make or break their season, but I do – I think they would – redo it if they could i think they would have picked that up i also think that i just think differently andrew i don't think that they thought it was going to be a super depressed market and that's why they turned him down i think they thought they were going to go out and get pitching um and that they would have a more solid idea of what the rotation was going to look like at this point in the season um and then they got outbid by the atlanta braves and we'll talk about that i'm sure you know as the segments move on but i think they were definitely looking at um an upgrade at starter and now they're kind of thinking we're not going to compete with some of these other teams for salary because we're trying to reset i think they could have moved that six and a quarter though pretty easily and even if they wanted to eat one or two million and give them to another team um at even more of a bargain i don't don't think that keeping perez would have stopped them from going after morton or a hap or one of those guys you know, and that's a great point because they could have traded him before the season started. Tommy John surgery starts, I should say Tommy John season starts in, in May, you know, uh, excuse me, March, tripping over myself tonight. You know, you'll have a lot of 
pitchers, you know, end the season with maybe some soreness, some discomfort, and then, you know, they think, you know, maybe a little bit of rest over the winter, you know, the Red Sox might know something about this with Chris Sale. Um, but a lot of those types of situations happen and then they get to spring training and up oh, Tommy John. And if they really wanted to move Perez, I'm sure they would have found a suitor before opening day if they were hell bent on moving him. But, it, you know, and, you, you know, Andrew, you're talking about the market, you know, maybe they did expect it to be a little more depressed. Just this week, Dr. Fauci kind of gave his expectations of when stadiums could have full capacity crowds again and his we lose you there terry i think we lost you there for a second terry of course as okay. soon as he starts talking about fauci his body couldn't handle it that's probably <laughs> what it is i think it's the government <laughs> silencing me no just kidding here. um yeah I think so he figures it out Andrew. so basically fauci said this week that that he expects deep into summer will be about the time baseball and most sports, uh, you know, teams can have full capacity uh, for fans back in stadiums and whatnot. And so I don't know what that means for April, May, June. I'm assuming teams are somewhat optimistic that they'll have maybe 33% capacity, maybe 50%. And then, you know, towards towards the end of the season, August, September, maybe full capacity, and then into the postseason. And they were talking about the vaccines and, and all that, Fauci was. And so I, I think teams might have gained some confidence in, in what they can expect for revenues this just this week. And for more perspective on that, are you guys still with me? Okay, Cushman is having uh, issues with his Skype. So just bear with me. I don't know if you guys can hear this, but... Bear with me, everyone. I'm trying to get back into the thing. This... Guys that the Red Sox bring up through the system. Uh, yeah. Guys, hang and on. They dominate... oh, Got... There you are, Terry. Yeah, sorry. I hope it doesn't happen again. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to repeat myself very much for the second time, but team. I think owners are, are getting a lot more confidence in revenues based on fans coming in and it looks like there could be full capacity in August and you know September and uh, he did he, Fauci did say he was very confident that football teams will have f- full capacity by the time their season starts but I think there's a lot of confidence in in ownership that that uh, there will be a decent amount of revenue this year Yeah, they're going to at least have partial uh, maybe a month into the season. Probably nothing to start, but as we go along, we'll probably see a little increase in attendance and 
break out those checkbooks and like take out a second mortgage on your homes if you want to go to a game because those tickets are going to be absolutely absurd to get into. Yes, and uh, I apologize. So they're going to make their money back, and your your Coors Light is going to be like <laughs> twenty dollars. <$19.99. laughs> yeah, exactly. It'll be worth. It. Yeah, only a fifty percent increase there, you know, from yeah. from eleven ninety nine to nineteen ninety nine. But um, yeah, I think that ownership is is optimistic at getting fans back in the stands, especially you know baseball. A lot more games are played outdoors than are played in say football season. Uh, and the NFL has managed so far to at least as far as we know not facilitate the spread of of COVID nineteen among fans in the stands. So I would be surprised if there's not at least a 35% capacity come April and somewhere near 65 to 70% uh, come June or July. So I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Absolutely. So, all right. So let's talk outfield real quick because we're not really going to have a need for anybody on the infield. We have a world of depth there. You know, it might not be great depth if you're, you know, if you're relying on someone like Chavis, but still decent enough depth um, in, in at least three of the positions. So the outfield is a big area of need. There are tons of names that got non-tendered today. Some of them may be better fits than others uh, in terms of what the Red Sox need. But real quick, the the more I think about the, the Benintendi situation, the more frustrating it, it, it seems to be as far as how to plan for 2021. If you're telling me right now that Benintendi is going to be semi-solid, you know, kind of reverting back to, you know, 2017, 2018 form, that solves the world of problems. Then you only need one outfielder, you know, to to plug in somewhere. But you know, you're still going to have the complication of depending on who you sign, how you align the outfield. Because maybe Benintendi has to go to center field, <laughs> which I I don't think nope. I don't think we would be thrilled with. But you don't. You don't want a bad defensive outfielder in center or even right field. You know that. Well, that... that's been Benintendi. He's terrible. He, he can't. There, there was a write up in it was the Globe the other day, and it eviscerated him. Scout, AL scouts and NL scouts said he's lost a step. Um, he's now a below average left fielder. And yeah. if you're a below average left fielder, and even if Fenway, that's just not possible. You can't move him to center. <laughs> like, Jesus, if people complained about, like, Coco Crisp and Damon's arm and Ellsbury's arm, get ready, guys, because it's, like, it's going to be worse. Well, and he's, his range is shot. He's lost about a step going down to first. It, it, it's it's not doable. Okay. I just – I didn't really notice any regression as far as, like – you know, his coverage out there. I don't know if that's what you meant by range. I, obviously his arm isn't what Bradley's is, but um, I don't, I just didn't really notice, uh, you know, many lapses as far as, you know, not getting to balls, you know, bad reads off the bats. 
I'm going to be honest, Terry. I think part of that is because you have Jackie Bradley Jr. in center field. Mm. Um, and he covers like 1.5 times the amount of range of most center fielders. I think uh, it's pretty clear that Ben Attendee is a below average uh, fielder as far as arm goes. But I also just think he hasn't been reading the ball well, neither at the plate or in the outfield. He just hasn't been seeing the ball. And I wonder if there's something really wrong there that doesn't have to do with the swing so much. It has to do with you know, how he sees the ball because it's not just offensive. I think he's late getting to the ball off the wall oftentimes uh, and is bailed out by Jackie's great arm. And it looks like to us, you know, oh, he's letting Jackie throw it because Jackie has a better arm. I think it's he's letting Jackie throw it because sometimes he doesn't read the bounce well um, and he, he misplays the ball even off the monster. So I wouldn't be surprised to see kind of uh, a defensive signing for for the left field position this season and moving him to center field just because the team is desperate but I, I would definitely not look forward to it yeah so in 2019 i'm not gonna even bother with 2020 because throw that out for benintendi he had a uh, minus 10 outs above average um his expected catch percentage was supposed to be at 83 and he was at his actual catch catch percentage was 78 so that that is well below average for him and that just is not great and in just in last year's his sprint speed was below average as well i guess i just didn't didn't you know that that just wasn't that glaring to me in in 2019 um you know we had a lot of problems anyway you know, in, in various areas of the team, you know, specifically the rotation that season. But, um, yeah, I don't, it's just, so that just further complicates it. I mean, yo, it's not good. They're in a, (laughs) in between a rock and a hard place here. Um, (laughs) there's literally nothing they can do. They can't give up on him. And all of a sudden, oh crap, he's actually good again. And then you let him go. Even it was only 5 million bucks. But you can't go out and sign one of these DFA guys, and now you're stuck with two below-average left fielders playing your outfield. And you have Verdugo trying to cover space in left center all the way from right field. Yeah, and Fenway, almost you almost need a, a center field type player to play right field at Fenway because it's so massive. You know, it, it's yeah. a it's a big right field. Really do. Yeah, and we've been fortunate to have some really good right fielders. I mean, you had Mookie all those years, and probably the best right fielder we've ever seen, you know, at Fenway. And, you know, and then Shane Victorino, pretty good, could cover a lot of ground, had a cannon of an arm. Um, you know, he wasn't... Did he drew good? Was he good? Oh yeah, he was—he was very uh, solid. Yeah, I couldn't—I couldn't look past the fact that he struck out too much to to look at his defense. In all honesty, <laughs> yeah, it's funny you mentioned that, Andrew, because I—I I was racking my brain trying to go back to the 2011 season, and for the life of me, I couldn't—I couldn't remember who the the uh, the right fielder was, and I kept wanting to go to Ryan Sweeney and Cody Ross because they had a platoon kinda, but. Um, yeah, it was J.D. Drew. Or maybe he stopped in 2010, actually. So maybe we had uh, just a random right fielder that year. But we've had some good ones. And if you include Verdugo in that, you know, in that threesome, I guess, with Mookie and, and 
uh, Victorino. That that's three guys with with a cannon for an arm and could cover a lot of ground. So we've been very fortunate in that regard. You know, center field. Here's what the other thing I'm I'm just gonna get at. You know, we'll get to the non-tender names, but I just feel like. It's making more and more sense that we bring back Bradley. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I don't want I, to, I, though. I don't want to. No, it's not sexy. It's not great. And unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen. I think he has too many suitors, but it makes sense. It's two years. You know, you're not committing long term. If you have to move him to left field next year, if Duran, God willing, is ready. That's fine. And we saw Bradley starting to really kind of turn it on at the end of last year. So I'm, I'm tired of hearing that he's starting to turn it on. I'm yeah, so tired of hearing that. I, I'm, but I feel like fans had a little too high expectations from him. He is what he is. Just, he's not going to hit you 30 bombs, but he's going to cover a lot of warts out in that outfield, especially if you have a below-average uh, left fielder and you're going to let this guy vacuum everything up. You know what you're going to get. He knows the ballpark better than anyone has literally ever known that ballpark uh, in terms of all the nooks and crannies out in center and right center. I He's the best that's ever done in a Red Sox uniform, honestly. It's just... Terry, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on, on Jackie Bradley Jr., Terry. I assume they're not as positive as Andrews. <laughs> I can't stand the idea of having to watch Jackie Bradley Jr. hit for another two seasons, but the more and more that we, we talk about this and we talk about the options, unless they're going to pay George Springer $32 million a year, uh, I think he might be the only option. He, he, you're getting stability with Bradley, at least defensively. And, you know, he did hit well, but like we were talking about with Pluwecki, you know, maybe the numbers would have came down to earth. The strikeouts might have risen with four extra months, you know, you know, that we would have had in a normal season, but I just, I'm just so tired of Bradley and I just, I just want to move on, but it just, it makes a lot of sense, at least for one year. I'd hate to give him two years, but that's what it might take because the Astros, the Blue Jays are interested. Uh, There's probably a third team. What's that, Andrew? The Mets, the Mets probably will be as well. Oh, the Mets, yeah, that could be. You know, the, you're going to have some runner-ups in the in the Springer sweepstakes that will 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 turn to Bradley at that point. But I just, oh, I hate it. But anyway, let's let's go through some of these names uh, that got non-tendered today. Kyle Schwarber, I wasn't really thinking of him as a non-tender candidate, but you know, as it the day progressed, it you know it did start to make sense. His teammate, Albert Almora, also non-tendered by the Cubs. Adam Duvall was non-tendered by the Braves. Eddie Rosario was put on waivers, cleared waivers, and then non-tendered by the Twins. little surprising there, especially when we were talking about maybe the market could be recovering a little. Um, But nonetheless, Rosario non-tendered. Nomar Mazzara, non-tendered by the White Sox. David Dahl, non-tendered by the Colorado Rockies. And then finally, uh, Delano DeShields Jr. and Tyler Naquin, both non-tendered by the Cleveland Indians. So, 
I, I think we can rule out a few right now just because we're so damn lefty heavy. You know, Tyler Naquin, David Dahl, I guess he does, if you go by his 2019 stats, you know, might actually be a little uh, appealing, but is a lefty nonetheless. Nomar Mazzara. Oh, God, David Dahl. He's honestly the only one in that group I want. Really? David Dahl, he's right. When he's healthy and his shoulders should be fine now, the guy's great. He's only 26. He's a former top 10 pick. The Rockies fans, and I'll tell you just from being here, are pissed off right now. And the guy, he plays a great um, left and center field. The <laughs> For some reason, the Rockies kept trotting out uh, Ian Desmond in center field, which was a very curious decision. But, yeah, when Dahl is right and the guy's sold out for a lot of balls and gotten hurt because of it, uh, it's – it's going to cost you nothing, and you know he's going to be great. Or, well, above average. Uh, I really like the, the name David Dahl. I'm surprised he got non-tendered. Um, you know, at 26, you think there's still probably a year of two of a uh, year or two of room for kind of growth there. He did not have a good season this season, no, but kind sure. of this season is kind of a an anomaly for everybody. Last season, I mean, he hit 300. His defensive numbers. Are above average, not great, but I would take a flyer on David Dahl, especially with the market the way it is for him. It's probably going to be somewhere in the four to five million dollar range a year, I would assume. Oh, probably um, less. They or less and a half. Well, <laughs> see, I, I think that the, the Rockies are on the low end of, of going to play players. I would say somebody's going to pay him four million dollars a year. Um, I don't know that the Red Sox are willing to offer that, but if they can get him at three million. Or, or less, I would be very interested, especially um, if you're going to trust his defense and put him in center, I would be very interested. Uh, how's his defense, Andrew? It's I- good. I mean, Coors Field is never-ending. <laughs> so Coors is big. It's huge. He's, he's, a, he's better than Ben Attendee. His actual catch rate... Uh, is usually on par or slightly above his uh, expected catch rate. So I'd have no issues with him playing in Fenway. What? Not center field, though, I wouldn't think. He could play center field. Oh, really? He played okay. center field. I really think he could. Yeah, he played center in uh, Coors, which is just – it. it's massive. So I I think he could handle playing in center at, uh, in Boston. Okay. I think so, too. I don't think the transition would be easy. Um, you know, Coors is kind of doesn't really have the nooks and crannies that Fenway does. It's, it's a very, you know, straightforward baseball field. Um, but the ball carries out there. You got to be able to really read it. And if he can read it and he has the cannon for it, we already know that he can cover ground. So I would be very interested in, in watching him in center field this year. Well, every stadium now with the juice balls is like Coors, you know, in my opinion, this Yankee Stadium, especially like it's it's like a zero gravity stadium there. Uh, you know, yeah. with some of their guys, but, um, but that, I guess that's, you know, that's an interesting possibility. Um, you know, 2019, he hit 302, 353 on base, 525 slugging, hit 15 bombs, uh, with 61 RBIs. So, um, we got a lot of lefties, uh, you know, if Bloom's in love with him, maybe it could happen. Um, 
a couple other names. I mean, Kyle Schwarber. There's all all kinds of rumors instantly. He's probably going to go to the Yankees, you know, and it makes sense if they don't want to bring back Gardner, you know, again. Um, but Schwarber had some good numbers in in 2019. Hit 250, 339 uh, on base, hit 38 bombs, 92 ribbies. Probably one of his better seasons, I just, but I just don't know where you would put him. And then you're looking at a lineup with like him and Dahlbeck or Chavis in there. And if you give them full seasons, that's 500 Ks. A lot of strikeouts. Yeah, that's the the one thing I definitely don't like about him uh, offensively. I think he kind of failed to really live up to his hype. You know, the peak of oh, his yeah. career was coming back in the 2016 postseason <laughs> for just the postseason that year. And, uh, you know, he had a good one. And, um, yeah, now you want out of the fourth overall pick. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that it's it's a name that, you know, some people are going to be fixated on. Um, you're, you're not a big Eddie Rosario guy. I kind of like I'm him. Not. Yeah. He doesn't get his bat on the ball, which is weird because he doesn't strike out. He's actually elite and not striking out, but he's got, he's in the 20th percentile for exit velocity, 30th and hard hit, which are both well below average. And he doesn't barrel it up. His barrel percentage is only at 30. He's in 36 percentile. And that just doesn't cut it. His OBP is terrible. It barely hits 300. So when he hits it, it goes far, but he's hitting it to right center. And at Fenway, that spray chart doesn't, it's not as nice to you because you're going to lose some of those into that triangle area and they're going to be loud, loud outs that get people on their feet and then disappointed. He he is a lefty. So, you know, that that's why, you know, right center probably tends to be, mm-hmm. you know, where he goes. Yeah, oh yeah he pulled. <laughs> His 2019 stats, you know, 276, which he would take all day, any day, you know, from Bradley, um, 300 on base percentage. So that kind of speaks to, you know, not, not getting on base as often as we would like. Yeah. And then look at his case. He, he's amazing. He doesn't strike out. <laughs> right. Yeah, He really doesn't. I mean, he strikes out like 14 to 15% of the time. And that's kind of who he's been as his career goes on. He gets better at not striking out. Yeah, uh, this past so season, weird. he really just, he didn't take any walks, uh, this season. Um, you know, but he also had a low batting average on balls in play, which I know everyone hates the sound of that because it just means that there's more shifts. Um, but his average was 257, but his average on batting average on balls in play was like a 246. So really, he's getting killed by shifts. And at Fenway, I just don't see that kind of paying off unless you know he finds a way to kind of have a left field stroke. And I, I think he's too late in his career to develop that. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's set in his ways there. I don't think he's ever going to start going the other way. Yeah, exactly. 32 bombs, though, 109 RBIs. So I, it's hard to find a perfect fit or a perfect scenario with all the complications. I've never seen a, a complicated offseason when it comes to Red Sox outfields as I'm seeing this year. So yeah. it's it's tough, but I could live with a guy like Rosario, you know, hitting seventh or eighth in the Red Sox order. You know, I, I don't think that's the worst case. Um, you know, 
there's not really anyone else on this list. Uh, you know, Dahl is interesting. I, admittedly, with Colorado being a couple time zones behind us, I, I don't really see a lot of their games, especially where they aren't uh, competitive uh, too often. But, you know, uh, also Adam Duvall, I mean, he's a righty. You know, unlike Dahl and Rosario, we desperately do need a righty bat. You're getting basically a Jackie Bradley type uh, batting average uh, from him, uh, you know, from a career standpoint. Although he was 267 in 2019 with a 315, um, you know, on base percentage. But. And I, I think he was actually, he only played a limited number of games that year as well. But I just don't see him being a big upgrade over Bradley. The only appeal there might be to bringing Duvall in is you could probably save some money, you know, over Bradley a little bit. But I, I, I think the appeal there, Terry, is power. Um, you know, he's a power threat that Bradley just kind of isn't. Um and I think that you can really sell a lot of fans on peppering the monster, even if he only makes contact at a, you know, only gets on base at a 230 clip, 300 clip. I think power is becoming the sport, sadly. So I think you, you can do a lot worse than Duvall. I, I like him defensively. He took a step back this year, so I'd be concerned about that. Um, but I, I think he's a quality option as far as power goes, and you really need another right-handed bat in this lineup. I'll tell you what, this has been a hell of a year for the Red Sox to have needed a DH on a short-term contract. Yeah, if if you didn't have, <laughs> you know, Martinez. Litter. <laughs> yeah, you would have saved a lot of money as well. Um, Duvall, Duvall did have a good postseason, though, didn't he? I, I think he came up big with a couple of home runs. Um, I, I don't remember which series was which, especially with the expanded um, format. But I do remember he he did have some you know postseason moments. But um, so well, I guess one other thing to consider here um, is Osuna. Like, are, are any of these guys a better alternative to Osuna, Marcelo Osuna? I mean, Asuna's going to cost you a lot of money, and I just there's your fielding issue again, and your fit. I think that the the defense is really the denominating factor there. I think most of the, the options that we just you know named can play the same defense as Azuna. They can't play uh, to a similar offensive level, but what you're trying to replace in Jackie Bradley Jr. is defense. Uh, they're not going to try to make or get a replacement for Mookie Betts this offseason. They don't want to spend that kind of money. So I would be surprised if you don't see a, a move for a Duvall or uh, Eddie Rosario or someone of that kind of caliber just because I think what they're looking for is, you know, just your average shoe-in, um, sadly. But I would rather have Ozuna 10 times out of 10 and uh, 11 times out of 10 on a Sunday. No, I love Osuna. I I'm a huge. I've always been a huge fan of him. I wanted the Red Sox to get him when he was available uh, when Miami was shopping him, but I, I unfortunately I just don't think the timeline with him adds up, uh, matches up with the Red Sox with having JD there. Unfortunately, 
but god damn it i would love to watch that watch him play for the next four years in fenway he was like my number one pipe dream when we did our little primer there yeah. yeah, I think, you know, definitely he's a solid solid option. I just don't think they'll pay him. Probably not. And, and I don't think they should, yeah. <laughs> and then who does he play center or left? And then does ben, Benny play center? You know, so it, it, it's, a, he, it's a mess. He can't play center field. No. Um, he doesn't have the arm for center field. No. And yeah. it's always giving me a net negative when you move Ben Benintendi to center. Because if all of a sudden he's unplayable, then what do you do? You have nowhere you can hide a guy. You know, like, all right, well, we can hide someone in left field. Go out there, Chavis. It'll suck. But you're not going to be like, all right, Chavis. (laughs) Stretch a little more tonight. (laughs) Yeah. It it, it could end up being that we see J.D. Martinez in right field on a regular basis. Uh, If, you know, they think that they need to fill the center field gap with Verdugo, you might see a lot more J.D. Martinez. Martinez in right field. I, I I just don't want to see Verdugo move at this point. I think ask him to cover even more range. I don't want to watch him pull anything. I just he's had he has had some issues with injuries in the past. I I'd rather just have him concentrate on that one position and just do it well. Yeah, and like I said, I mean you basically you know, need two center field type players regardless. Mm -hmm. And yeah. All right. So kind of a mess there, uh, on the pitching (laughs) side, um, you know, that's a lot more simple. We just simply need to add at least one guy, the big name I mentioned in the, uh, intro and really probably the only name worth pursuing, uh, Archie Bradley, um, I just want to point out, I was having a Facebook conversation with someone. If you bring in a guy like Bradley, you're going to have a level of swagger we haven't seen since Papelbon come out of that bullpen. Well, Koji had his own aura, I guess, but you know, but still, I just think there's just something majestic about an Archie Bradley, you know, coming out of the Fenway bullpen. I'm all for it. I think that's like the one person we're all going to agree on. I would love to see him come out of there. If you get him on a solid deal. And I've, I've loved him since, you know, he was out in Arizona. It'd be great as, you know, as long as they can find a way to make that contract work, it would be, it would give you confidence again. I think that's something we've been lacking in the ninth inning for the last maybe three years now. I mean, I think so too. I think that really he had one bad season. It was last season. And if we're going to say, you know, chalk last season up to the coronavirus pandemic, then I don't see why you wouldn't go get Archie Bradley. He solves an immediate issue for you. He's not going to be that expensive to get a good contract offer from somebody, especially maybe the Mets uh, are going to be looking at him. But I would be surprised if the Red Sox aren't in on Archie Bradley. Yeah. We can figure out a way to get like three at 18 with some incentives in there. Uh, I'd be all about it. I think he's going to get more than that, Andrew. I think, sadly, you're going to have some teams throwing their weight around with the uh, the market you, the way it is. Know, but, I mean, even with the Trevor May at two at 15? I think he's more desirable than Trevor May to a lot of people. 
the reason being is, you know, he had the hiccups that he had this season, and then he got traded to the Reds, and I know he only appeared in six games, but he only gave up one run, struck out six hat- six hitters, uh, and kind of reverted to the Archie Bradley that he was for so many years in the Diamondbacks. I think he can kind of just, you know, name his price for a lot of teams because he's the only option on the market that I see as a high-leverage guy who's proven to be able to do it. He had a 117 ERA in Cleveland, you know, compared to a 422 uh, for the first part of the season, albeit abbreviated, obviously, uh, with Arizona. So, you know, a change of scenery seemed to do him some good. I I don't know. uh, He must have pitched in that one postseason game. Yeah, he did. Let's see. Oh, and he gave up a – he must have gave up. Yeah, he gave up one run. He only dropped like a third inning. Yeah, like yeah, he gave up a run, and uh, I wonder if that was even the walk off. Uh, no, probably not. But anyway, I mean, still, change of scenery was uh, was good for him, and you know, I just think he would thrive in a Fenway atmosphere. You know, depending on the fan situation, and if it's only for one year, why not? Why not? I mean, oh, that's. That's been my mentality. No yeah. such thing as a bad one-year deal. Yeah, and maybe Darwin's in is still the guy for the ninth. You know, maybe maybe he emerges yeah. as that guy by the end of April or May, and and you still get a decent, you know, eighth inning guy in Bradley. So um, I kind of hope they go that way. There there are still some free agents on the market. I know we we did like Trevor May. Um, Still like Hendricks out there. Yeah. A key piece of somebody's winning organization uh, in 2021. Yeah, and he can kind of give you like the Josh Hader effect. You, you won't get a ton of like two inning appearances out of him, but he can do it, you know, if, if it's called for. Um, so th- there's a little bit of appeal there. I think he even had a three-inning appearance uh, in, in one of those playoff games uh, for Oakland. But I, who is he the highest valued or would he be the highest projected, you know, free agent based on so. salary? Yeah, I mean, Brad Hand. No, I think so I, as a reliever. I saw him with the highest projection for a closer uh, going into it on like MLB trade rumors and a couple other sites like that. Yeah, yeah, he's projected as the highest relief pitcher. Okay, thirteenth highest contract. So Brad Hand probably would be uh, number two on that list then. Um, so we'll see. Well, it could be Bradley now. Well, it could be Bradley. Yeah. I, well, I think Brad Hand. I mean, had the the dominant year. I don't know. I just but. Any team could have picked up that ten million. I don't. I, 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 that that's what's holding me. I was shocked at how little Trevor May got. I thought he was going to get a lot the other day. I really did. <laughs> yeah, you did. I think I said three years, like around twenty eight or two years, twenty eight. Yeah, it was two. Yeah, you had him. You you had him in the fifteen to uh, the fourteen to fifteen range 14, annually. 15? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was surprised by that. I really thought the Mets were going to throw their weight around a little more, even if they didn't need to. Just, uh, you know, hey, <laughs> we're not messing around. We 
we literally have four times as much money as all of you do now. So I, so that kind of gives me a little hope that maybe Brad Hand won't quite get that much. I think he's going to get more. I mean, he he didn't give up a single run last season, did he? Jesus, he didn't. Uh, I, I don't think so. That that's. I, I think Brad Hand is definitely the higher uh, valued free agent. But I was shocked that he didn't get the one-year $10 million. Then again, it could be the same thing that you were talking about, Andrew, with Martin Perez, right? Teams might have still yeah. been evaluating you know, where they're going to stand in salary. And I wouldn't be surprised if he goes out and gets two years 18 somewhere or you know, one at $12 million. Uh, I think it's, it's still very possible that he gets more than the $10 million, uh, annual value in – you know, a month or two. I, I was actually yeah. wrong about uh, Hand. Uh, he he gave up five runs, but he didn't give up a home run. Is is what he uh, okay? He was perfect at, but still, I mean, a good year for him. You know, two oh five ERA. So uh, I mean, yeah, I saw the I saw a singular Red Sox relievers give up five runs in multiple games. Yeah, exactly. Time <laughs> so. Worried about five runs over a year in, in one inning. Actually, you might have seen it, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I, I think I would probably gun to my head. I would probably want Brad Hand over Bradley. I mean, but I don't think it's a drastic difference. It's not going to make or break a, a championship, uh, you know, between the two. But so you, you got three to pick from. You got Hendricks, Hand. And Bradley. So hopefully we come away with one or maybe Bloom just kind of works some magic with an under-the-radar guy that's, you know, at least somewhat appealing. I don't know who that would be uh, off the top of my head. Uh, but, you know, we, we, we need at least one piece in that bullpen. Um and before we get into the payroll situation, th- this kind of will tie into that, actually. Charlie Morton was the first, you know, semi-top-of-the-rotation pitcher to kind of come off the market. The Atlanta Braves signed him to a one-year, $15 million deal, which was exactly what he was making the two previous seasons with the Tampa Bay Rays so, you know, good move for Atlanta, you know, especially if they're going to get Soroka back. Max Freed, you know, kind of emerged last season. Ian Anderson as well. That's a great – I mean, you have to put Atlanta as the favorites to win the the National League East at this point, I think, with that signing. And, I mean, even if Soroka doesn't come back right away, I mean, you still, I mean, it's still such a talented rotation. Um, So the Red Sox were aggressive in that, you know, per reports. Um, So I guess I take a little bit of comfort that they're willing to spend roughly at least that amount of money on on a pitcher. And I, I... I think maybe a Jake Odorizzi guy, you know, who I have desired the whole, you know, offseason anyway, would probably, you know, be about that per year, maybe even in the 12 to 14 range. Um, so, Andrew, what what were your thoughts, you know, based on the signing, you know, and the Red Sox pursuit of him? 
Yeah, I wasn't surprised. I knew they would make an offer to him, but I didn't see him uprooting his family at this stage of his career for a year. I, good for him. I'm happy for him, especially down with the Braves. The Braves are a great team. Almost made the World Series. So I, I, I'm happy that they pursued him as hard as they did. I expected it. I'm not disappointed. I mean, well, I guess I'm a little disappointed, but I'm not shocked is what I should say here. They're going to find, they're going to target a couple other guys. And, you know, I, when I was looking at the Braves roster, I realized that they, that Fulton Davids is no longer there. I wouldn't mind rolling the dice with him if he's got his stuff figured out. That was just one name that came up, uh, came to me earlier today. He, he he based on pictures of him. I, I should never say this on a podcast, but that's apparently no, that's, he's doing better than when we last saw. Okay, him. so he doesn't look like he was on a meth bender or anything. Yeah, like that he, was Clay Buckles esque, and that was not good. Yeah, yeah. You want to hear a funny story? This guy's never going to listen to the podcast, but my first ever co-host. Uh, I won't even say his first name was Dave. I'll, I'll just say that. It was one of his first shows. We were about to play Atlanta. We brought on an Atlanta Braves blogger. And before she came on, we were going over the pitching matchups. And he he botched Fultonevich's name, and which is easy to do. It's a very messed up spelling name. Very few people <laughs> are ever going to very few people are ever going to nail it. But he botched it. I forget how he did it that particular time. And, and I corrected him. I said, No, 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 Fultonevich. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, Fultonevich, and repeats it back perfectly. 20 minutes later, he's, uh, you know, talking to the Atlanta blogger, and he goes, yeah, so uh, on Tuesday we got Fultonewski pitching. (laughs) So he was Fultonewski for the rest of the season uh, on this podcast. But, um, but yeah, funny story. But, you know, a name that because of his – you know, he had one pretty good, you know, AC type year, you know, so a lot of teams are going to try to take a flyer on him and, and try to recreate that. And I wouldn't hate that either, Andrew, but I don't want that to be the one move we do make. You know, I want that oh, to be. No, no, no. That's like, yeah. uh, you stash him in Worcester. <laughs> God, that sounds worse. But... Yeah. The Woo Sox. I think the the problem that I have with that move would be just what you said, Andrew, is that he would be the only signing that they would make. And they would be like, oh, look, we did something. It's done now. We're going to roll this out and roll the dice. Um, And I don't want that to be the case. I'd rather them go get a consistent Martin Perez-like, if not just go get Martin Perez, (laughs) uh, fourth guy to just go throw for a 3-5 or 4 ERA, but throw every fifth day. Oh. And not give me this, you know, sometimes I'll give you six innings and sometimes, you know, you get an inning and a third and I'm going to give up 13 runs. No, I, I don't want to see that. I don't think that's going to be the case at all. I think they are going to spend a little bit. I think it, I, I, my prediction was Jake Odorizzi uh, from the jump. I really do think the Red Sox, they're not going to invest in a Bauer or someone like that or if a Stroman or a Gosman had they not be, accepted their uh, qualifying offer. I think Odorizzi is going to be a guy that they're going to go after hard. I would love to see them go after Odorizzi. I think he is just that guy that's going to give you six innings every fifth day. Um, And I don't know what you guys think about the rotation, but my whole take on the rotation is I don't want to see nine guys pitch, you know, in a, in a 12 day stretch. 
I'm tired of this shuffling guys back and forth. Who has an option? Who needs to be outrighted? All this stuff. I just want six names. Give me six names. Who's going to throw the ball for you in 2021? Um, and, you know, maybe seven if, you know, you're waiting on Chris Sale's health. But I, I'm tired of hearing, oh, we have the guys to get it done. We just need to find them. I, I don't want to hear that. I want names that are going to be counted on. Well, let's go through it real quick. So you can basically count on Erod, even if he doesn't look great in spring training. You know, if he looks rusty, he's still going to be on the roster no matter what. Uh, Nathan Evaldi, also barring injury, definitely yep. definitely going to make the the club. So who else do we have outside of there? There's you have be... Nick Pavetta. He'll, oh, Pavetta, he'll... yeah. Pavetta will definitely be part Tanner of. Tanner Howe will start the season. And then you're probably looking at two, uh, two more additions. Um, one probably on the very low end, and then one mid to high, and then adding Chris Sale and taking out one of Pavetta or Hauk. Yeah, Hauk is a huge wild card, you know, because what if he gets just knocked around and he doesn't quite have that third pitch yet, and. They'll probably option him um, if they have two veterans, one being Chris Sale, in the in the rotation. He'll go down to Worcester. You have plenty plenty of time to work with them. Three full options, so there's no rush or need to uh, keep him in the rotation full year. Yeah, and we forget about at least I do forget about Pavetta from time to time. <laughs> but hopefully, uh, you know he he's can keep us in games. He looked very good in those uh, two or three he starts did. he made. So um, you, you would definitely take that in your in your four spot uh, in the rotation. Um, yeah. So so yeah, we we desperately need at least a, an Odorizzi type signing. So to kind of just and, and we'll kind of wrap with this as well. Um, Basically, Chris Cotillo had a, a tweet. So the Red Sox are at roughly 142 million, and there's 24 guys left to be signed, but none of them are going to cost more than a million. So, and some of them could be closer to 500,000. So, just for argument's sake, just say it's a million. That that puts you around 100 and what 68. And then, Something. yeah, near, near that, yes. And then you got to tack on what's this? Is E no? Is so Devers arbitration one here? Because Spot Track literally in the last like fifteen minutes just updated everything. Okay. okay. Um, their projected competitive balance payroll is at one seventy eight. Really? Uh, wow. It changed, so that accounts for all those guys, those uh, twenty-four or so people. So the competitive balance tax threshold is two ten. Two ten. So that's thirty-two million, uh, roughly. Yeah. Okay. So if they were competitive with Morton, that would have been roughly fourteen, fifteen million. That gets you to about one ninety-two. So. Yeah. Comfortably, you can basically almost get any reliever you want. I don't know what Hendricks is going to command. You know, maybe he. You have the second base too. Is a is a spot. True, because Arroyo does get injured, and uh, you know, you don't want to put yourself in a position to where Chavis definitely has to be the guy. Chavis Munoz. (laughs) Yeah. 
well, I forget about Munoz, but I, I mean, there's definitely plenty of room in there for. There's There for, absolutely is for for a starter, and then you know a, a bullpen arm. And if we go over it this year, but we can find a way to not do it next year, I mean, it's not the end of the world, I guess. Well, you're gonna have uh, does Price come off next year? No, no, he's no the year after. Pedroia does. Pedroia does. No. True. Yes. Thirteen million. Yeah. So, so he comes off, and then yeah. after <laughs> next season, you get Price and Martinez off. So that's roughly thirty six, thirty seven million, something like that. And you know, if you still want to factor Pedroia into that season, that's close to 50 million that you're you're going to have kind of cleared and all the bad money is off you, you do have that goofy after that one right uh four years so what's this one three coming up excellent point yeah so we're looking really yeah. good um after 2022 yeah devers is is he arbitration one this year he is yeah okay because he he must not have reached a, a deal today um, he didn't. Uh, I guess they're holding. They're uh, still in discussion of trying to I- extend uh, Devers. Okay, that that sounds tricky though, based on uh, only thirty-one. <laughs> you could trade Vasquez. I mean, it's six million, and you know, I just that's just one area I would look to free up some money. Is there anyone else we that that's definitely tradable? Not really. No. <laughs> you, no honestly, no, I, I'd really. love to trade Avoldi, uh, but you know, if you're going to be competitive, you just don't really have the luxury uh, of doing that. Yeah. So, but 32 million to play with. So we'll we'll see what happens. Maybe we get John Lester on a 10 10 million dollar deal. I know I'm the only one that that you know. I'm well, Joey, the PR guy. I I got one of the PR guys on my side with Lester, but um, but yeah, you don't think Dave Bush can kind of salvage him or you know, kind of Lester? I don't know, help reinvent him. He's Chicago. I want to see him honestly. I want to see him retire in Chicago at this point. They seem to, I mean, he's like their son at this point, so I'd rather just watch him end there. In- I, I love I love John Lester. I just think that he's done being in Boston. Uh, I don't think he wants to come back here. So I, I don't entertain the possibility in my head. I don't blame him either. They treated him kind of poorly on the way out the door. He's expecting a contract. They didn't offer him one. I think he's probably thinking. Even I don't worse, they offered him seventy million. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They they downplayed him. You know, and these guys keep scoring their heads with how much money they get paid. That's how they keep score, uh, just as much as winning games. So. I wouldn't be surprised if he just says, I'm not playing for you guys and not even entertain the possibility uh, for at least a couple more years. I if he wants to retire here, that's one thing. If Bloom wants to win points with Fenway fans, I mean, your your casual fan is going to love that signing, you know, versus us hardcore guys. And, and I wouldn't hate it. I mean, I, I'm a little more optimistic that they'll – you know, he'll pitch to the level of a mid rotation guy, number three at least. But, um, but I just feel like if he ends up being cheap, I could just see Bloom doing it. 
and and he can be like, well, look, you know, I, I brought back Lester. I just we thought he'd be better or whatever. And I don't know. I I, I still wouldn't hate it, but but <laughs> Oda Rizzi still my guy. You know, that's my number one choice. There is a Bloom connection there, so it it makes a ton of sense. I haven't heard any teams really connected to him. Have you guys? Yeah, been quiet. Yeah. Uh, His market really just hasn't kind of evolved yet. I think we'll see a lot of teams bidding for him, but the starting pitcher market is going to be a domino effect, and it's all waiting on the top guy. Um, I know that, you know, Atlanta was able to get something done with Charlie Morton, but that's not the guy that everyone's waiting on. Everyone's kind of waiting to see um, what the top player does, and then they'll go from there. So I'd be surprised if we know anything this week, but... Who knows? In two weeks, we might have some super interesting uh, stuff going on in the starting pitchers market, and I think they'll fly off the board once they start. Yeah, I, I expect it's going to definitely be a busy weekend with some, you know, lower to mid level signings. Anyway, um, Bauer won't come off the board for a little while, I don't think, but um, but we'll see. I guess. Uh, any final thoughts? No, I think we're just going to see how the next week or so plays out with the proverbial winter meetings, and maybe we'll get something here, get something there, and hopefully we'll be back with a little more exciting news. Are they doing that virtually? I think uh, that's pretty much it. It's a virtual winter meetings, and okay. we'll just kind of see where they go with that. So what day does that start then? Do we know? Probably Tuesday? I think it's Or Monday or Tuesday. Soon. Yeah, it's definitely soon. It's usually the second... Uh, the because second the week Rule of December draft is on the 10th and that's I'll tell you right now. It is uh, a week from tomorrow. I believe. No, that's, that that's would a be a Friday. Weekend. Really? That's weird. Normally, no, that's the that's Rule 5 is on the 10th. Okay. All right. You know, oh, I was reading last year's. I'm sorry. I read last year's, uh, last year's schedule. Yeah. Six through the ten. That's what it is. That's, that's so we'll, we'll, they'll start tamper. They'll start talking this weekend, and then you know they'll get drunk on their zooms like we all do nowadays. And <laughs> hammer out some horrible deals. Usually the the action is on the second to last day. I think usually the Thursday. I think, but we'll, we'll see. So the sixth is is a Tuesday. So oh no, that's a Monday. I don't even know what day it is. It's Wednesday. Days no, don't matter anymore. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's actually Sunday. Days of the week don't really matter. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, we're all kind of screwed the up. The world we live in, sadly. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I think the vaccines will roll out this month to the real high-risk people. So um, maybe some, some normalcy anyway, but... All right, guys, good show. It's kind of, you know, here, there, and everywhere because there was like a million different scenarios in play. But we got the non-tender list. We got the Red Sox covered as far as what they did. And uh, maybe we can get some pitching here within the next seven or eight days, you know, through the end of the the winter meetings. So have a good night, guys. You too. Andrew, it was a pleasure. Uh, Looking forward to it. talking to you. Thank you.
episode, I think it's 236 in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, Like I said, any excuse to come on here and talk some baseball is uh is good enough for me you know it's uh the start of december so we are one calendar month closer assuming they start on time and i'm kind of quietly uh optimistic that they will i know there was one new jersey writer last week that speculated that there could be a four to six week delay but um but there wasn't any further momentum behind that so we'll just kind of Just take it month by month and uh, transaction by transaction with the Red Sox until we have a team assembled for the 2021 season. So we'll be back on, I'm assuming, no later than next week uh, because something should develop uh, for the winter meeting. So um so we'll we'll take it by then, but it, it won't be long one way or the other. So. We will talk to you then and enjoy the rest of your week. Take care.